Hello, this is Joey Williams, and you're listening to Talking Blues. So how has this tour been so far? So far, the tour has been good. Um, we just started. So right. this is We've only done our second show of the tour. And uh, we started in Atlanta, and we did Ottawa last night. How was that? Ottawa was great. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, loads of people, big venue, the National Art Center or something. It's a beautiful place. It is. You're great. And we do Toronto tonight. And then you're doing London tomorrow? Uh, in London tomorrow, yes. And is it is it basically that you don't you just go out on weekends and have long weekends at this time? No, oh no, we go. We're out from now till um, New Year's. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this will be going the Christmas tour. It'll be going until New Year's. So at this stage, and I know you do this, I presume every year. But at this stage, how much rehearsal goes into a Christmas tour? The one when we went to Atlanta. That's what the Atlanta show was about. Which was like a rehearsal. We did a small club there in Atlanta. So one rehearsal per year. But but that was the actual show? Like, did you do a rehearsal before the we show? We did, yeah. We oh, okay. uh, sort of, yeah, we did a, a quick rehearsal before to, to refresh our memories, you know, right. on the uh, Christmas songs. So, so tell me how you first got into music. Well, um, I first got into music as a young boy. My father started me. My father plays guitar and sings. You started on the drums first though, right? I did. My father, um, he's he's a singer and a guitarist and he brought me home a snare and a cymbal. Right. And then that's all I had and that's what I played and I played that for, you know, a few years when I was really young and I thought, you know, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to break down the snare and the cymbal like till it's, you know, right down to the nuts and bolts because I wanted to do something wanted to feel like I was really doing something but then he said "Um, okay now you know how to play the drum now I want you to learn how to play bass and guitar so I said oh because I was just getting into the drums you know (laughs) he said yeah but there's a lot of drummers you know back then he told me he said there's a lot of drummers so so was your dad a professional musician Um, yeah he's a he was a a guitarist and a vocalist with a quartet group oh okay Mm mm-hmm so um, that's why I got to start. I would go to the rehearsals and just be there while he's there rehearsing and singing and playing and go to the shows of the churches and, you know, auditoriums when he's singing and playing. And then I just, you know, caught the bug. <laughs> Tell me what you might have learned from that experience of seeing your dad's band play. Oh, I, I learned about being on stage um, because it was a quartet and little did I know that was going to be my career you know you know 30 years later but um I learned how to you know stand on the stage you know how to kind of get my mind prepared and sort of be professional you know on stage um singing with other people I've learned you know and playing with other people through that watching him you know do his thing and and did he tour like you're doing no he didn't no uh, he was mostly local but he you know he toured the country uh united states that did that but right. um not you know international touring did you automatically get drawn into gospel or religious music he, yes you can say that yeah because we grew up with um gospel music in our home 
Uh, we grew up going to church. We grew up listening to gospel music, not only on Sundays, but like, um, you know, during the week too. But there was other music playing though, you know, to be honest, there was, um, you know, all the R&B stuff that was going on back back then, uh, the, uh, you know, the Al Greens right. and the uh, stuff like that. So yeah, that was going on, but, okay, but, but mainly. <laughs> Really? Yeah, mainly it was and gospel. And so you, yeah, I presume you come from a religious family. Mm-hmm. Um, was there ever an issue of playing anything else other than, like if you played R&B tunes, was that ever an issue? Um, it was if I if I decided to go out and play it, but I would play along with the records, you know, like with the, with the radio and stuff and with my guitar. I would play along with it. So at some point, you know, they wouldn't give me any hassle. Right. You know, I guess because I never went out and pursued a career <laughs> in any other anything other than uh, gospel. And and was there a point in your life when you thought, "This is what I want to do," and definitely it's gospel music. Oh yeah, yeah, I reached that point early, early, and I, you know, of course, I thought about going to do other things, and I, you know, I, you know, thought about auditions and stuff like that. But um, the whole time I was doing gospel and I just never actually thought about just leaving gospel and just going somewhere else and doing other stuff so it's actually all been gospel ever since I was um, young wow this is probably a silly question and since I don't play guitar but is there a style to gospel guitar playing that's different than playing pop or R&B blues Uh, yes it is yeah um, gospel is is sort of its own thing and a lot of what you hear, especially quartet gospel, a lot of what you hear guitarists playing in the R&B feel now right. and stuff, that's generally from, from gospel. Okay, just so I know what quartet is, we're talking bass, drums, yeah, guitar, bass, bass and drums, keyboards. guitar, and maybe, maybe a keyboard. Okay. Sometimes with keyboard, sometimes without. Okay. And then with the singers, sort of like with the blind boys, right. are, they are the quartet. We grew up on the quartet. There were many groups like that. Um, so I presume you started playing in churches? I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, our church, our family church, I would go and play as a little boy, maybe, you know, 11 or you know 10 or 11, something like that. Wow. Yeah, and I would just be there. You know, they were probably just, you know, humoring me, you know, let me play, but I could actually play. So I would play along with the piano player and the organ player at the church. At what point did you think you were good at what you were doing? Um, I guess when I went on the road with my father's group, and we were on the road, like, you know, in Florida and stuff, touring with the other quartet, the other famous quartet groups. Like, when I was, I turned 11 on a tour with um, groups that you may or may not heard of, but um, they're called Consolas. They were um, a gospel group, man and woman duo. And then, um, who else? The Nightingales, the Violin Airs, uh, the Gospel Keynotes, uh, stuff like that. So I on a tour with them. So I was actually playing and, you know, kind of competing with them. So right. um, And everybody was saying, oh, you're good, you're good. So that's when I really realized and I, that I really had something. <laughs> wow. Um, did you have a sense of what a career in playing gospel music would be? No. I, I mean, you, you saw your dad doing that. But. Right. No, not really. No, I just, you know, I, I love hearing it. I love the sound of it. I love the message, you know, and I just, I you know, just grew into it. So I didn't, I never dreamed it would be, you know, 
this that I would have Grammys and stuff like that. Never, you know, never dreamed it would be. I had no idea what it would be. Yeah, I just wanted to play and be with, you know, the guys and and singing and playing. But I would presume that playing with the Blind Boys of Alabama is. I mean, is it correct to say one of the pinnacles that one would reach in gospel music? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea I would ever reach that. Right. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I didn't know where I was going and how far I was going. So, you know, I, you know, started with, the, you know, with uh, Bill and the Gospel Airs, you know, from Dayton, Ohio. I, you know, started there, and then I would uh, got another gig with the Slim and the Supreme Angels. All these are quartet groups right. from back in the day. And then from there, I went to either the Mighty Clouds of Joy or the Gospel Keynotes. I think it was the Keynotes, Gospel Keynotes. So, so I gradually moved on, moved on, moved on. And from the Keynotes, I went to the Mighty Clouds. And then Mighty Clouds, um, I was introduced to Blind Boys. So why are you playing, let's say, with the Mighty Clouds? What's the circuit like? What's the gospel circuit like? Well, um, um, we call we call the um, the gospel circuit now the gospel circuit is is, is you know big it's wide so mm-hmm. it's quartet gospel there's um, you know secular sort of gospel like you know then there's all kinds you know with the rap you know yeah right. there's uh huh and it's uh, gospel rap there's gospel rock there's rock gospel you know so like heavy metal sound you know that type of thing right. so it's big so I'm only familiar with um, the gospel and the quartet circuit and um, now I'm, I'm not sure how you know how it's going they're still doing shows at um, at auditoriums and stuff like that so it, it's still going but I haven't been back in, I haven't been back in a while Okay, and I presume would you be playing a lot of churches or or super churches? It was, or? it was, yeah. We playing churches in auditoriums, you know, in centers and school, you know, schools, right. like school auditoriums type things. That's where mostly where they be doing. And at that, with Mighty Clouds, did you do any recording? It, um, yes, and Mighty Clouds with Joy, they were on another circuit. They were um, sort of bigger than. The, the regular circuit I was on before right. they were doing other stuff they were doing TV shows Arsenio Hall shows and you know uh, traveling overseas they were you know so they were doing that years before I got with uh, Blind Boys so they were been, they were doing that I, this is probably a silly question but does it surprise you when you travel overseas and how well this music is accepted it did but not now because <laughs> I've been here for a while but yeah yes um, do you remember the first time you went abroad somewhere and tell me what that was like I do my first time going abroad was um, with um, sort of like a uh, my other family's group they're called um, DMD so we were and it wasn't overseas though it was like uh, Guadalupe mm, okay. uh, it's French uh, islands right uh, so um, so that was and they spoke a lot of French there so but they really 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 loved it and they loved the music but most of the people there were black right. so you know so I you know so I can get it so there were you know a lot of you know Jamaican and African music there as well so I got it so but when I got with the blind boys my first time actually going across the water was Norway Oh. It was like in Scandinavia. We did Denmark, Norway, you know, Sweden. 
and that's the first time I saw the audiences like that and saw their reactions. And I said, oh, wow. So until then, you didn't really see um, a white audience? No. No. Wow. The first time I saw a white audience was with uh, Mighty Clouds of Joy. And they were, um, that was the first time. That was, And I was already you know, into it by then. How different is it to play for a white audience than a black audience? Uh, there's a difference in playing to a white audience and a black audience. Um, I mean, just the simplest way, one of the simplest ways I can say, um, like um, the black audience could um, stand louder music, more bass, more drums. Yeah, yeah, and um, the white audience tend to not go for you know a lot of bass. You know, and and drums and stuff, and then the white uh, black audience when you're singing a song, they'll say, "You better sing that song." You know, that type of thing that's going on in the audiences. Right. You know, all, and then the white audience, you know, they may not say anything. You know, it, I, I think of thing. it in terms of blues, and I think of call and response, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yes, but um, it's more that can go on on stage, but it's more of they're feeling it. You know, right. they they like what they hear. You know, and and like uh, like I said to the black audience, if they like what they hear, they're gonna say, "Amen," or they're gonna say, "Yeah," or they're gonna say, "That's right, you say it, brother." Or you know, they're gonna do that. You know, and like the white audience may not say anything, and they may sit quiet until the very end of the song, and then applaud. You know, right. tremendously. No, is that weird to you when you're up there on stage when you're used to that response initially? Um, no, initially, you know, it was, it was a little weird, but. With this particular band, Blind Boys of Alabama, that didn't last long. You know, the only difference, they just didn't shout out in in the audience, but they would be on their feet. You know, we've been told many, many times that this is the first time we've had this audience on their feet. You know, wow. you know they normally sit. You know, we go to the really subdued places in like England and you know certain places, um, and they in the church like cathedrals. You know, they say, well, we've never had people stand up before. You know, and clap and be excited. So, how did you wind up getting into the Blind Boys? Um, I was in California, Irving, California, I remember. And I was playing with the Mighty Clouds of Joy. And the Blind Boys tour manager came to me and said, Joey, I'm looking for a guitarist. And if you can find us someone, um, let us know. And I said, okay, because then I had a job, so... Right. I wasn't thinking about myself. So I went back and, and made a couple of calls. And then while I was doing that, I did some research on the Blind Boys. And I asked a couple of people, you know, what are they doing? Because we didn't see them in our circuit, in the quartet mm. circuit, you know, right. on, on, our, on the Chitlin. So I asked what was, you know, what was there about. So I did some research and I called them back and I said, I got just the one for you. <laughs> and that was in 92, uh, 20-some years ago. I, I wonder, so where were they playing at that point that was different from what you were doing? They were playing in uh, clubs. They were playing in, um, you know, auditoriums. Right. But um, they would be in, like, you know, civic centers. You know, they, they were playing all over the place. They would have the big shows, but then they were doing clubs and stuff too so when I got with them they were still they hadn't quite reached where, where they are matter of fact uh, we won our first Grammy uh, 
uh, had to be, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years after I was there. Wow. Yeah. When I interviewed Jimmy Carter, he was talking about the tough times or the really bad times where it would basically they lived on bononi sandwiches, as I recall. Right, and that was definitely before me. <laughs> <laughs> there was some tough times, but it wasn't, you know, yeah, yeah. wasn't to that point. So when you come into a group like this that is legendary and historic, do you get a sense of that history? Like, how how long did it take for you to realize that this is a band that's been around for decades and has played a major role in gospel music? Oh, it, 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 took a, it didn't take long. You know, because I knew about them, as, you know, growing up, but I didn't know exactly until I got out here with them. And I didn't see, you know, I couldn't tell the impact they would have on people until I got out here. And I mean, all over the world, like you said, we go places where they don't speak the language at all. And the audience is still there, still packed and still applauding and having a great, great time. One or two times, I guess, I know one time for sure over in Asia, I think it was Japan, we finished the show and uh, a lady came back stage. She couldn't speak English at all. And she was just, you know, she was emotional. And the person translated what she was saying. And she was saying, I can't explain what's going on, you know, but um, I'm, you know, I'm feeling it, but I can't, you know, I can't tell you. What it is, you know, so that kind of thing. Wow. So, yeah, the people that don't, you know, speak it, but they can feel it. So having basically lived your whole life playing gospel music, what is it about Blind Boys that's different? I, and I, might assume, I would presume that they're in a different league on their own. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you quantify that? I don't know exactly what it is, but they've always been a little different from the other quartets mm-hmm. and I mean by their harmonies you know is one of the main things that sticks out uh, to me the way they sing their harmonies you know and the right. phrase and stuff that's one of the uh, differences you know that, that sticks out to me okay so when we last spoke which is a number of years ago we were talking about Amazing Grace mm-hmm. and the way that it was put to the music of House of the Rising Sun right um this is a band that's always, not always, but has experimented in some ways mm-hmm. and doing different things. Yes. Was that an easy thing for the band to do? Or, like, is it something that was driven by the band to say, let's try something different? Or how did that work? You mean um, with Amazing Grace? Yeah, well, let's take that uh, as an example. But yeah. there are other things that the band does and they the collaboration that they've done mm-hmm. that's a little different from, I would presume, most gospel quartets, right? Yes, Amazing Grace was uh, brought to us by, uh, that idea was brought to us by our producer, mm-hmm. John Chaloux, who's since passed. But he brought it to us and said he was going to do that. And then Clarence, George, and Jimmy emphatically <laughs> fought tooth and nail not to do it. You know, they say no, and then Jimmy would say, "Oh, this is sacrilegious, and oh, we can't do that." And especially with the House of the Rising Sun, yeah, they yeah. just would not do it. So he begged, 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 "If you'll just do it, and if it doesn't work out, you know, we just won't do it." And you know, and I was all for it because it, you know, it sounded like um, something that'll fit. And they played the music, and they say, "Okay, now just sing Amazing Grace," you know, to it, and we sung it, and it just went like. You know, hand and glove. I mean, it was just a perfect, perfect fit, and they couldn't deny it. So, did you know when you were singing it that this is something special? 
Yeah, yes, I did. Because we all did, because it just went together. The changes went, you know, it just flowed just so naturally. Mm -hmm. And they did not want to do it. So by the time we got to the end, they was like, "Um, you know what? This is, this is, this is, this is kind of good, you know? <laughs> so we knew we had something special there, not to the magnitude of it was. That was our first Grammy, as a matter of fact. Right. And, and did you get that sense when you first performed it on stage that people were accepting of that combination? Yes. Mm-hmm. It always got that, that, that special reaction. Right. And after I do the intro, and then we say Amazing Grace rather than the original lyrics to... <laughs> House of Rising Sun, because they're expecting us to sing that. I don't know why. <laughs> but I do the intro, and they're all sitting there expecting that. And then we say, Amazing Grace. And then everybody goes starts laughing and clapping, you know. So they do, get do you have any idea what the producer was thinking? Like, how, how did he put that together? No idea. That's wow. what we wanted to know. We, how did you even come up there? What made you think that? We, we, we never knew. And, and then the other things that you've done is you, you've done some collaborations with other people. Yeah. Which have been interesting. Mm-hmm. How does that come about? Is that basically the management? Is it the producer? Is it the band? Yes, it's mostly um, to pro- the producer. Okay. You know, and you know, sometimes management will have an idea and bring it to us. You know, so but usually it's the producer. You know, and the way you know what kind of genre we're going to do, or what's the um, focus of the next project. So, but yes, usually on the producer. To, uh, to collaborate. Right. So like you've worked with people like Ben Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that started out as one song on our album. Right. And it went like that. It was so quick. We did it and it was done. So we said, well, maybe just do another one. <laughs> he said, okay, well, let's just try another one. And then he did another one. That one went quick. So then they got on the phone. Everybody got on the phone and said, um, not everybody, but Ben and his people and our people say, well, this is going so good. Let's try to do a whole project. So he called Warner Brothers and he called, you know, the powers that be. And next thing you know, we were in there doing a full album together. And you've done others with other people or other genres as well. Like you did a New Orleans kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, we did the same thing, New Orleans, mm -hmm, with uh, those people who were the... um, Alan Toussaint and uh, Dr. John, uh, Preservation Hall, you know, all those guys. So, yeah, we've done so many collaborations, it's hard to to, um, remember them all. We have a a CD out, it's called Duets, Mm -hmm. and it has a load, you know, lots of the um, collaborations we've done with Solomon Berg and Susan Tedeschi and Lou Reed. Oh man, it's just it's so many. Peter Gabriel, right? But you on the Peter Gabriel? Are you still on his record label? Um, not anymore. No. Oh, okay. You know, but um, yeah, that was a great collaboration as well. And we were on his. Um, we did two songs with him. Wow. One of those, those albums. But um, yeah, we've done. We've sang with so many people. As a guitar player, how has your style or how has your playing changed because of all these opportunities? Um, it's it's changed a a, a little. It has changed a little. I still have my core style and the way I play, but I've learned to play, you know, different due to, you know, who we're playing with and where we're playing, you know, 
and, and who I'm actually sitting in with and stuff like that. So I've learned through that just by being out. Right. Anything surprise you about that experience of playing with different genres and different people? Uh, surprise me? Uh, yeah, some of the things surprise me because, you know, in gospel and quartet gospel, certain things are just, you know, certain played certain ways and done certain ways. But um, I would play with somebody else and um, a lot of that stuff, you know, wouldn't go or wouldn't be needed right you know you know like uh like in three singing like three part harmony all the time i would you know do a session of something singing and there would only be two part harmony and i go oh what about the other one he said no no we're just gonna have two parts i said what <laughs> there's such a thing <laughs> so different things like that I, I, i've learned and then the other person that you've collaborated with and you also play with is robert randolph tell me oh, about yeah. that yeah that came about um, on the Higher Ground CD. And on the Higher Ground CD, which also won us a, a Grammy, I think that was our second Grammy, on that CD, instead of, um, you know, hiring different musicians, we hired the full band, Robert Randolph and the family band. And we just used their whole band and added Ben Harper and uh, Leon Mobley on percussion. So, um, that's how that came about. And then when we were doing our promotional tour together, both of us together, it started coming out, well, maybe, maybe you can come out because, um, I, you know, we'd be, we'd be there. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, why don't you come sit in? You know, because they're, you know, Robert Randolph and the family band, those guys are, you know, from the church too. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we, um, we fit like a glove as well. So um, they said, well, come sit in, you know. With us, and I. So when I hear them, I hear something different. Mm-hmm. How was it to adjust to that? Oh, it it was it was it was it was easy for me to adjust to that because they were playing, they were playing good music, you know, and and I enjoyed playing it, and it was like jamming, you know, for for most of the night, mm-hmm. you know, and then they'll hit one of those gospel drives, what we call it, you know that. So they would do that, yeah, and they really would get into it. So I really dug it. So that was back in, I guess, when we did that in uh, 02 is when we did the, uh, yeah, I think it was 02. So now you still, you tour with them? I'm sorry. Every so often you tour with Ben. Uh, yeah, from the, from Randolph. from then, from, uh, from 2002, 3, I would tour with them and Blind Boys, um, just constant. You know, when, when the, they were off. I would do it with the other one. When they're off, I would do it with the other one. Is it so, easy to schedule that? It wasn't easy, but like, um, you know, it was just worked out. The universe, you know, just hooked me up. And it would just work out where I would only have to miss, you know, one or two shows, you know, like with Robert. And then um, I wouldn't, you know, Blind Boys was always my main um, right. place. So I would only, you know, but it seems like when they were off, uh, the family band was working. And when the family band was, you know, off, Blind Boys was working. So it just it's worked out for the first, you know, eight, nine years. You know, it was just like that a lot. Yeah, I, I missed very few things, you know, that um, I wanted to be on. One that stands out is Crossroads with Eric Clapton. You know, we were in Nebraska that night, and uh, the family band, played the same night and I was meeting them the following night and when I got there they had played 
the night before, and that right. was one of the killers. So different things like that, um, are, you know, happened. But then I had to miss a gig, one gig I missed with the Blind Boys in my career. Really? And, yes, and that was to um, play the Grammys with uh, Robert Randolph and the Family Band. Wow. Right, so um, that was the one time, you know. <laughs> it amazes me that you've been with them since, what, 92? 92, yes. Like 27 years? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a long time. No way. Am Is I it 27? Jeez. Oh, 92, 2002, 2012. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize it. I've been telling people, they say, how long have you been with the Blind Boys? I say, oh, yeah, over 10 years for sure. I look at you and I think you're 27 years old. <laughs> so this is crazy. Oh, man. Didn't realize that. Well, yeah, I've, I've had a good time, and I've learned so much from these guys. I think I've learned more from these guys than I could have learned at Juilliard, or the, definitely equal. Right. But is it, like, it just amazes me how many different kinds of music that they've kind of incorporated into the music. But I don't know if that was always the case. Like, when you first joined mm. 27 years ago, mm-hmm. were they as experimental as, as they seem to be now? Not as, no. But they were doing, you know, they were doing stuff, but not as not as much as, uh, as yeah. what I got with them, no. I know they have this amazing history, but I get the impression that they're just in a totally different level than any other band in the gospel field. I mean, I can say yeah. that about Mavis, too. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, and I'm not an expert in gospel music, but mm-hmm. both Mavis and the Blind Boys seem to have their own thing that's so yeah. different and unique from mm-hmm. anybody else. And that's true. That's true. They have their own thing. And it's, 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 it's been like that. You know, they've always been a little different, mm-hmm. you know, in their style. You know, they were always quartet, always gospel, but they've always been a little different. Always sing songs that weren't like traditional quartet songs, you know, like Never Walk Alone, you know, those songs. They would, they would do those songs if I had a hammer. They would do those songs right. when all the other quartet groups were doing straight church songs, you know. But they would always branch out, even back then. So, you know, they were always different. Tell me about Clarence Fountain. When you joined, he was still with the band. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you might have learned from him, or tell me a little bit about him and what he might have meant to you. Well, when I first got there, um, he he told me, we shook hands, and <laughs> the first thing he says, well, your hands are soft. So you must don't work. You don't do. You you don't work. <laughs> I said no. All I do is, is play guitar. So, um, but Clarence is the reason um, I sort of sing bass. I sing bass on a lot of recordings uh, now. For the last I don't know five six years or more, right. I've been singing bass for like when we record and if we're singing with us, you know, behind someone and. I'd be the bass singer for the band. So I learned, totally learned my bass singing from Clarence Fountain. Because he was able to sing lead and all of that, but then he was able to sing bass and just, you know, shake the roof, you know. (laughs) You know, so um, I've learned that. And then there's many things I've learned from Clarence, like uh, just, you know, like riding down the, the, you know, the road, riding down the highway, and he would, you know, say things and tell us things. Like one time, um, one time my wife was driving with us. She was in Colorado or something. We was all there, 
And um, for some reason, she was driving. And I don't remember why, but she was driving. And then and going up hills in the snow and stuff like that, Clarence was the one. She will tell you this. Clarence was the one who told her, you know, okay, now go put it in the next gear. And then she would be in it. Okay, now go to put it in second. You know, and she would, you know, and took her right through this, through you know, through the snow. Because I don't know, I think I was sick or something, but um, I couldn't drive. And I was, me and her, we were the only two-sided right. in the vehicle. So, so I, so here's a blind man telling mm-hmm. her how to drive. Yes. Always. Had he driven before? Things like that. I mean, I'd, I have no idea, but it was always wow. some things like that. He he knew stuff that you just would never dream of. So yeah, I learned so much from, from, from him just hanging around and just listening to him, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. Tell me a little bit about Jimmy Carter, somebody who I respect a great deal. And Jimmy is the same. Jimmy and you, you know, you wouldn't think about these guys. Some some you wouldn't think because they're, you know, from the country, you know, and it came up in that time. But their intelligence is just, um, you just wouldn't believe. They, they know the history, mm-hmm. they know the history of the country. They know the Bible, back and forth. They, they're smart. They they, you know, different words that um, that I use now, I just learned from them. I hadn't heard some of the um, phrases that they use and some of the words that everyone used, but I didn't know what they mean. You know, like, um, let me see. What's some of the stuff now in my mind is going to go blank? And <laughs> I think of not one thing. But, but Jimmy, what impressed me about him even now is he's always ready. Jimmy's ready to go. Jimmy's ready, to, you know, to get on the road when everyone wants to go home and everybody's tired. You know, the tour is over. Jimmy's like ready for the next date when um, everybody's ready to go to bed, go to sleep. Jimmy's ready to stay up. You know, <laughs> you know the other guys that are younger than him right. of course, are at the airport, going through the airport. They all have wheelchairs. And uh, you need a wheelchair? No, we can just walk. We're walking through the airport. Right. And the other guy, the younger guys, are in the wheelchairs. So Jimmy is, you know, he's like now, he's the heart of the group. He stepped up when Clarence mm. stepped down. And he, you know, he hadn't done that, you know, before. He was always, you know, behind. Right. And he stepped up and seamlessly just made it happen and just and was doing a great job and still is. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, he's a special individual. Yeah. Um, you also did your own project, the Joey Williams project. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that, because that's not a gospel thing, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's not a straight gospel, no, but it's just it's songs, you know, it's just uh, inspirational songs and songs about me, you know, right. as a song about my father and all that stuff like that. But that came about because when we do Blind Boys records, I would be the one before the guys get there to do the demo, the scratch vocals, you know, get the musicians, play the music for the musicians, you know. So I would be there before. So the, the uh, our producers, John Chaloux and, and Chris Goldsmith, they um, said, well, when are you going to do the Joey Williams project? So every time we go to record again, every year they would say, now when are you going to get that Joey Williams project <laughs> together? So we just laugh and laugh. And then one time they said it, and one of my friends was there, Jimmy Sloan from California, and he said, man, we should really do a, a project. 
And I said, yeah, but I'm not a, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not a singer, and I'm not a solo guy. I don't do that. Right. Yeah, well, let's just go in the studio and and see. And that's how that started. Wow. I, you know, it was just a thing. I had no, you know, passion of going out there and doing my own thing. That that never, you know, it never happened. I just, you know, just did it because they suggested it. But you did some gigs. You did yeah. some gigs, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I just yeah, just did one last Thursday. Yeah. And I get the feeling there's a bit more jazz and funk. In, in your music is that mm, you could say that yeah yeah because I like just play whatever you know whatever I want right you know and you know no rules so I just I just do whatever I want so sometimes you know however it comes out so how does that work in terms of the fact that you, you belong to two very busy groups mm-hmm. so it would be very difficult to promote your own project that's why I don't <laughs> I can't book shows for myself six months out right you know, because if anything comes up, I have to cancel the show. So how much in advance are you aware of both of these bands and what the schedule's like between Robert Randolph and Blind Boys? Oh, the, the schedules are out. You know, dates are in a year out. Okay. You know, but not the full right. schedule. So the, the shortest time would be maybe two months. We probably won't get a, sh- you know, a show in two months right. or in a month, those that's my time period. If I want to book something, I would have to do that. So that, that doesn't that's kind of a disadvantage because you can't really promote a show. Yeah, right. can't no right. So and I don't you know I don't really you know I don't really try you know because I'm I'm like you said I'm just too so busy with between the two. Mm-hmm. I only do the Joey Williams projects for fun. So tell know? me what that gives you other than just for fun, but. Being able to run your own project mm-hmm. um, compared to doing The Blind Boys and, and um, Robert Randolph, what does that project of your own give you? Well, it gives me a lot of satisfaction as far as fun. I mean, for the most part, I'm having a great time up there, you know, and I'm having fun. I'm jamming. I'm, like I said, playing whatever I want to play. It's not, nothing strict where I have to play the certain thing or... You know, so I'm just having a good time, and a lot of my friends and people that I know come, and if I'm around, I can bring them up, and they sing with me and play with me and stuff like that. So it's just a good time. I just have a, you know, it has so much fun when I do it. Okay, I know we gotta, you gotta get to a show, so I'm gonna ask you one final question. Tell me about how you get better at this stage in your career, playing with two different bands plus your own project. How do you get better as a musician? Um, continue to listen and keep my mind open you know not close it off you know to certain things trying to keep it open to listen whether I like it or not at least entertain it or try it and play more which I have to say I don't play as much as I should on my off time Right. but playing more you know on my off time that's kind of what i leaning towards now to try to get better is that difficult because you're on the road a lot and mm-hmm. then you just and we when you get home yeah when you get home and then I got other stuff to you know life stuff to right. do and I just don't pick it up as much you know so that's what I want to do a little more of now to try to get better and singing as well because I'm not a singer so I want to I entertain getting vocal lessons you know because I do want to get better at singing and playing so those would be the two things and would you consider the idea of pushing the 
Joey Williams project more or I, I, I will as you know if I see any slowing down you know of, of the boys or anything like that I would or if you know if something happens you know because I'm in the middle of doing another one right now oh okay mm-hmm. doing, a, doing another project and when do you hope to get that completed or it doesn't work that way um doesn't work that way something <laughs> the last one took like a few years <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping to get this one out in 2020 for oh, sure okay. it'll definitely be out because I don't want the music because if you wait too long then the music is getting old and then you hear so many things that you could do so I don't want that so I'm just going to put it out now you know while it's still fresh in our heads well thank you so much for doing this I know that you have a gig tonight and I know you're yes. a busy man mm-hmm. you're going somewhere tomorrow <laughs> yeah um, but I appreciate you doing this alright man well I'm glad to be here and keep keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Yeah, man.